Hey guys, it's Jules. And this is Sydney. From Q&As to vulnerable discussions about mental health, we bring you the Therapist Unscripted podcast. We will share advice and have honest conversations about the messy but beautiful journey of healing and self-discovery. New episodes every Friday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Therapist Unscripted. Today, we're going to be talking about the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, by Lori Gottlieb. She is a therapist herself and kind of talks about how she navigates her own life and her own situations while also being a therapist and what that that journey brings for her and all the insights that she gets along the way. So yeah. yeah and <laughs> we thought this we thought this one would be fun to cover this month too, especially like around the holidays. It's more of like a light read, I would say. And it's just a fun kind of perspective to get from a therapist to kind of shares her journey as a therapist, but also as a client or like a patient as well in that different position. And it's kind of funny too because we well the first time I read it was in our graduate school program it was required to read for our practicum class and we kind of talk about it and it was just nice to not feel so alone in what you're going through I think as a client but also as a therapist if you're reading it because I think a lot of people have this preconceived notion that therapists have it all together or they don't struggle obviously we struggle with big things but we're able to move through it in super healthy ways and Mm -hmm. that's just not the case for most of us. And I think there's a lot of pressure that we should have it all figured out. So I think going through that and reading it, and that was kind of at the point in school where we started working with clients and kind of feeling validated and, oh, I don't have to have it all figured out in order to help other people. Because I think even if you're going to therapy, it can obviously help you in any position, but you're developing and gaining skills and it's kind of a lifelong journey as just a person learning healthier ways to cope with each situation that you're going through so I don't know when was the first time that was that the first time you read it too yeah 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 it was for crack and I remember just every because we did it in chapter segments so we'd read a few chapters at a time and for some reason the chapters were lining up with the same thing I was learning in prac or with my clients for the first time And it was just kind of eerie, like I'd be reading about the situation that this therapist had been in with one of her clients, and then it would be happening to me too. And so it's very relatable, and I think very true to what the journey is for someone who is navigating being a therapist and taking their own, their own time Mm -hmm. to do their own therapy. So yeah, and we would talk about, like Joel said, each chapter And even our prac instructor would be like, what would you do in this situation if Mm -hmm. this were to happen? And I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, use your best judgment, but it's also like, we're all, especially as a new clinician, you're going through this for the first time. If someone asks you a personal question, you don't feel comfortable sharing or someone, what was another example? Someone brought in lunch or was like, do you want do you want anything? They were going to have lunch. He was going into his session for his lunch hour. And how do you navigate things that typically aren't quote unquote normal in a session, but still being professional and wanting to do the best for your client and show up in an authentic way. So yeah, there were some things that would come up and I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just went through that and I didn't know 
what I what I should have done and I just did the best that I could and I hope that that was what needed to be done for that moment right yeah I had a situation and maybe I shouldn't get into this yet but I had a situation where one of my clients was talking about how they've really been trying to walk more often because it just feels better for their body to get their body moving and we have this nature path right by my office. And I was like, well, let's go for a walk for the hour. <laughs> if that's what you really want to do and you're stressed that you haven't done it, then okay, let's go do it. And they were like, what? We can do that. We can leave the building. And the only reason why I knew that was okay was because I had heard that my supervisor had done that previously with a different mm-hmm. client. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're good to go. We can do it. And so... Yeah, there's just this idea. I think even being a therapist, we have our own ideas of what therapy is supposed to look like and how we're supposed Mm -hmm. to act as therapists. Yes, there's a degree of professionalism that we need, but also to remember we're humans and we can do things like have lunch with our clients and go for walks with our clients, just as long as we're being aware of continuing to maintain those professional boundaries while doing so. Yeah. And I've noticed that too. I've been with two therapists throughout my life. So I was with one and then I moved. So I had to find a new one and I really liked her, but I just felt like it wasn't what I needed. So I stopped with her and I've been trying to find someone new and I am so picky and Mm -hmm. I don't know why, because like Joel said, we're all human. And I think the more human or more authentic, I should say that therapists act, the more I'm drawn to them. Because I'm like, oh, this isn't so prim and proper. You can let your guard down and just be real with me and have a real conversation. But I do find that element of me having preconceived judgments of what their profile says or what their picture looks like. And so I've noticed that within myself too. And I've also had to notice where that comes from because I've been super judgmental in the past. And then I've met with these therapists and I'm like, oh, it's just not what I'm looking for. And so your self-grace in that sense too, but also... I don't know. It's just interesting because we go in, or at least I went into therapy thinking I knew exactly what my situation was like. I had all these narratives for what my problems were, how I could solve them. Mm -hmm. And now being a therapist, I think I'm similar. I was similar and related to that with Lori in the book too, because she's like, oh, I know what I'm going through. I know how to solve it. I just need someone to talk to. And then you go in and you realize that your problems are so much deeper And I have noticed too, with me being super judgmental of therapists, I think it's just like a deeper rooted issues that I just need to process it. And sometimes you don't have to be super in the dumps to just want someone to lean on and process. And you might find that when you start to process things, they're a lot deeper than they seem on the surface. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it it feels almost being a therapist makes it's like with nurses, nurses are the the worst or doctors are like the worst, the worst patients. Yeah. Yeah. Therapists are definitely, I think to an extent they can be almost, I don't know. I feel like 50, 50, half the time (laughs) I know what my therapist is talking about. And I'm like, yes, I got that. I will do that. I understand where that is. And it helps to be so knowledgeable. But then the other half of the time I'm like, no, I know what that's for. And that's not what's going to help me. But if uh-huh. I would just do it, it would probably still help me. She's coming from yeah. an outsider perspective, an unbiased perspective. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the time having all of this knowledge, I mean, yeah, sure, it does help in some situations. But then other times, it almost hinders my experience. It keeps me uh-huh. from being able to do those things. 
Yeah. I, what's funny that you bring that up is I just had a conversation with um, another yoga teacher at my studio. And I've noticed myself not being as into my practice because I'm in my teacher brain. Mm-hmm. And I've had to just let that go and be more in my student. I don't know, my student brain or whatever you want to call it, being more in the moment. And yeah, I definitely noticed that over the past year. And maybe that's why I've been more critical of my therapist is because I started seeing her when I just started school. And now I've developed all these things. And I don't know if I like the approach. And I don't know if mm-hmm. I like all these things she's recommending. Yeah. But I also wonder, is it I is it that I don't like those things or don't align with those things? Or is it because I'm resistant to the change? Mm-hmm. And I've had to inquire with myself about that a little bit. Am I just resistant or not wanting to put in the effort to make these changes? And I'm using the excuse of, oh, I'm a therapist and I know that that's not going to work or whatever. And I haven't even tried it yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I've noticed too with my therapist, a lot of the time I will respond with the answer, I don't know. And she looks at me and she goes, she's like, you do know, like, you know, (laughs) you either, you have enough knowledge to know what I'm about to tell you and how to go forward with this. And you also have enough to know at least part of the reason why you're feeling the way that you do. And every time you say you don't know, it's not that you don't know there's it's that you don't want to go forward and and make the change or process through the change that needs to Mm -hmm. happen Mm -hmm. yeah and then you'll be like on the receiving end as a therapist with a client who's like I don't know and you're like yes you do (laughs) even not being a therapist you're like yes you do because that's resistant it's just a resistance to change and I think it's just interesting being in both roles now and it's definitely made me realize a lot of the times patients who come in, they'll say that they're coming in for one reason. And Mm -hmm. that reason is the umbrella to a million different reasons below the surface. And I think a lot of the times two patients will dismiss it as being minuscule. These are minuscule problems and you'll realize, no, that actually is. Yeah, they're all interconnected. And so I think, again, that's why therapy can never, I don't think, not benefit you no matter where you are in life or what stage you're at or like how you're doing mentally, I think it can always, there's always something to work on within yourself. And I love that she was super vulnerable in the book too. She was going through a breakup. That's basically how the book started. She was going through a breakup and I won't get into, you know, spoilers if you didn't read it, but the breakup was one part of a million different things that ended up coming out throughout therapy and how it made her a better person just being in the client seat versus being a therapist and being like, I can handle it or I should be able to handle it myself. Right. Yeah. It took her literally months to mm-hmm. actually break down that wall and to be able to talk about that relationship with her mm-hmm. therapist. And he kept challenging her, but in a way, well, I guess he was a little bit different than I think me- most therapists are because he had a more direct way. He literally kicked her in she the kicked shin her. <laughs> And I just could never imagine kicking my clients in a session. There's no freaking way. No. You know? But yeah, he had a definitely a more direct approach, but it's what she needed. And I think he was very mm-hmm. aware and very intentional with how he approached her. Yeah. And thinking back to the books, what we read it for the first time a year ago now that's Mm -hmm. crazy like almost a year ago now I'm just going back to it and I recently had a client and 
you know, I've had this before too, where people will come in and they'll be like, I've never found a therapist I like. And it's kind of that intimidating like statement of, oh mm-hmm. shit, they're going to not like me or they're going to be super judgmental. And being able to be just genuinely myself and doing the best that I can. We kept working together, kept working together and super just week after week after week, just so much resistance to change. And it can get frustrating for the therapist, but sticking with it too, of like those clients who are super resistant to change more often than not need that push. Mm-hmm. They need to change. They need to get there. They need someone that they know is going to stick with them and believe in them throughout those difficult moments. And then it was months, months later, which kind of reminded me of Lori too. She was just sticking to her guns. Mm-hmm. Months later, kind of started making connections, started to open up more. And then it was just kind of this flood of, I don't feel good enough in any area of my life. And just this overarching feeling of worthlessness, which I mean, the, that feeling alone was just eating at her. And so, yeah, those breakthroughs are just incredible. And it was cool to making the connection with even Lori in the book. Once she was able to break down those walls, everything that came after and everything that started to change was just really positive. All of her reflections and insight that she was able to make. Right. And that kind of gets up the one of the main points I had the idea that as therapists, one of our main jobs is to help the clients to take responsibility for whatever situation that they're in. And in doing that, that'll help them to feel motivated enough or empower them enough to create change in that situation. So as a therapist, that is one of the biggest things that we're trying to do is we're, we're asking all these questions and guiding them in all these different directions to help them understand what their current predicament is. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that hopefully enlightens them enough to want to be able to make a difference in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that alliance is what we often talk about. Creating mm-hmm. that special bond where you feel over time you're building that trust with that person. So they're able to let you in. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that we learn in grad school is building that trust is sticking through those really shitty moments, those Mm -hmm. moments where you're nothing is giving it's week after week. And you're just kind of showing up and doing the same thing and saying, I don't know, and I'm fine. And you know, all of those things that you have to tell yourself, but then you, if you keep showing up, that's going to show your client, okay, they're in it for the long haul. I can trust them. They're Mm going to keep sticking it out for me. And then you know, months later, you're going to start to see even little glimmers, mm-hmm. little glimmers of I'm going to give you just a little bit. And I don't know. I know that feeling. You know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Jules, okay. Yay. We're getting somewhere. And then you have those breakthroughs. And I don't know. It's just like, this is why therapists do the work that they do. Like, yeah, I think it's really hard and you can get really discouraged in the therapist because there is a lot of really tough moments. I would say more often than good, there's a lot of tough moments, but those good breakthroughs or glimmers of change make it worth all of that, going through all of that. Yeah. This week I had a client that I was about to, so they had said something and I was about to ask a question and she was like, I know what you're going to say. And then she answered the question (laughs) I was going to ask. And I was like, yes, you got there on your own. And she was like, sometimes I'll be at home and I'll be in a situation and I'll be, and she'll be like, (laughs) she literally said, what would Jules tell me? What would Jules ask me right now? (laughs) And and then, cause I guess apparently I'm just very 
what's the word predictable I don't know consistent in how I go about things and so for her that that helps her kind of work through things but for me that was a glimmer of she is wanting to make a difference she's aware Mm -hmm. of her situation she's asking those questions that I would generally be asking her in session she's bringing that to her everyday life instead of just leaving it in the office and so that's just an example of how I'm seeing her progress, right? She's not just leaving it all for therapy. She's actively Mm -hmm. doing it outside. Yeah. And people come to therapy because they've acknowledged some problem in their life, Mm -hmm. whether big or small, they've acknowledged that they want to work on it. To what extent they want to work on it, you know, you'll figure that out as you go along with them, but at least they're acknowledging that. And then everything that comes after you can build on that. And I think that too is just showing, okay, she's starting to trust you. She's really opening Mm -hmm. up to you. And therapy is not easy by any means. And, you know, I think people's hesitancy to go to therapy is acknowledging the problem to begin with. And also it's going to be challenging and you're going to have to be honest with yourself and honest with whoever you're working with in order to go through any change. So if you're not opening up, if you're not willing to do those hard things, you're likely not going to see any change. And then it's really hard for us too, because we see that and we want to help you and we want to get through there, but you have to be honest and vulnerable. And so I don't know, it's really cool to hear stories about that too. Like, I always wonder if my clients, what would Sydney say right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. I know. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to that next point of, and this is a really controversial thing, I think for most people, but the, the quotes, we are our own jailers. So basically we can only give ourselves, allow ourselves the freedom to change and the freedom to take care of ourselves. And that scares us. And if we don't, we are choosing to suffer. And I'm not saying everyone, everyone feels pain. Everybody is put through things. The majority of people experience some kind of trauma. And mm-hmm. those are all the things that kind of happen to us and cause us pain. But then it is our responsibility to decide if we're going to mm-hmm. continue to suffer from that pain. Yeah. And for some people, that is uh, a hard thing to chew and swallow mm-hmm. because it is true and it we don't want it yeah. to be true we don't want to always have no. to take responsibility for the crappy things that people have done to us right yeah but we yeah. have to in order to move forward and that is the mm-hmm. most scary part and that's a big part of therapy of like breaking down all those walls and those barriers so that it doesn't feel so terrifying for yourself of of all that pain mm-hmm Yeah. And I think pain and suffering, those words are used interchangeably, but pain, like Joel said, is it's unavoidable. It's going to happen to all of us. There's things Mm -hmm. that we can't control. There's people's actions, there's external environmental factors that are going to happen, but the suffering that you choose to continue going through that is optional. Mm -hmm. And I think to a lot of people that is going to sound pretty shitty, but it's true. I think, you know, you, you move through pain, right? And Mm -hmm. there's ways that you can move through that in healthy ways. And suffering is more of the unhealthy ways. And I'm going to stick in it. It's kind of what oftentimes becomes victim mentality. I'm just going to be the product of all the bad things that have happened to me. And I'm just going to sit in this and I'm going to rot and I'm not going to do anything about it. And I think, yes, therapy is that first 
step or even just talking to anyone is that first step in making progress to work through that suffering and to not make it that continuous cycle of always having to endure all of those terrible things or that being the story. That doesn't have to be your story. All of those shitty things that you have been through, how, how can you move through that and move on and develop as a person despite all of those things? Yeah. And I think too, another lesson that I was thinking about through the book is in order to avoid painful feelings, we use those defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're not willing to be super open about as therapists, we need to see through or try to see through. And if there's one thing that we hate as people, we hate experiencing painful emotions. We hate Mm -hmm. going back and reliving those. But the more that you choose to not work through those and maybe in turn suffering from that, the more that you're going to feel lonely, sad, stressed, and it's going to continue to affect not only your mental health, but your physical health too. Instead of dwelling on the painful things of our past, many of us tend to push them deeper inside because it's easier, but in the long term, it's worse. And that's what we call suppressing our emotions. Mm -hmm. Suppressing our emotions (laughs) causes suffering. Talking about it is actually working through that pain and avoiding suffering. Mm -hmm. I see this the most with my male clients because, as we all know, it's kind of society's viewpoint that men, even though we are getting better about it as a society, but the idea that men can't show emotion or they are weak or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I just, I see it so much with so many of my male clients of they push down all their emotions in the moment so that they can appear a certain way. And then Mm -hmm. they come to therapy and I have to encourage them time and time again and almost convince them it's okay to cry here. It's okay to tell me about it. And just the relief that you can see on their face when Mm -hmm. their first tear drops down their face is it's moving. And I I just like wish that that was something that was more possible for people, not just Mm -hmm. men, but just people generally, because there is so much relief in allowing yourself to feel that pain in a way that'll help you to move through it. And having clients who come in and they just need to have a safe space to just cry and feel Mm -hmm. those emotions. I think a lot of times I'll have clients say like, oh, we accomplished nothing today. I feel all I did was cry or I didn't really have much to say, but letting your emotions out, even non-verbally in the ways of crying or just being in the space and just feeling those, that's making progress. That is a step. And especially for men, where a lot of the times they feel there is a stigma behind men expressing their emotions or crying or growing up, you're told men need to be tough. And having that space where they're able to really let their guard down, that's curating change because if they're able to do it in that setting, that can transfer it out into their everyday life and different environments and different settings where they can maybe feel safe to do that as well. This book does a really good job of not only just talking about therapy, but what it kind of looks like and it will talk about some therapeutic terms, but it's really good. It kind of offers just like a personal insight a little bit into what to expect and how even expressing your emotions allows for that positive change. So yeah, basically what I think we both took from this book is that you don't have to be really going through a lot of deep things to feel moved or changed through therapy. I also think it is very important if you are going through really difficult moments in your life to go to therapy. And I think 
despite the fact that an unnecessary stigma surrounds mental health, the truth is that therapy can be for everyone. And I think this is a great book if you want to just learn more about yourself or emotions that you'd like to work through and just how therapy can look through those stages. I think it does a really good job breaking down even how Lori's time in her first session looked different from 10 sessions later and how you can see how she grew. And it might be something if you have considered therapy but aren't ready to try it yet, it might be a really good book for you to just learn a little bit more. And if you're another therapist like us, it can really help you too to not feel so alone and validate what you're experiencing because we see a lot of clients in the day-to-day and a lot of different situations can look different. A lot of things can be like can kind of take us by surprise. And so mm-hmm. just kind of it it creates a sense of community in a book of just we've all been there, we've all done that. And it's just a great book if you're another therapist, it can really help you in any in any role. So right. yeah. Yeah, I also just want to add to this book. She does such a good job about highlighting some key therapeutic terms, but she explains Mm -hmm. it in such a way that's just easy to understand. You don't need to be a therapist in order to read this book and get something out of it. She's very Mm -hmm. educational and really walks you through why people grieve. What are the stages in order to change? I would recommend this to anyone, therapists mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she talked about her experience really openly about how she was able to change, mm-hmm. even with all of her knowledge and experience being in the, that role. Being the client is completely different. And I think Jules and I can both agree it is vulnerable and it's really different being in that seat. You know, I think it also gives us a, a better understanding for our clients, even in the present moment of how difficult it can be to work through a lot of those emotions too. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, I was able, I was able to really align more with what my clients were experiencing or even their resistance or hesitancy to lean in a little bit more. But when you do, the outcome can be really great in that sense. Yeah. So thank you guys. If you know, you read it for tuning in and if you didn't and you are curious, I really recommend you reading it. And so our next book is The Mountain of You, Transforming Self-Sabotage into Self-Mastery by Brianna West. I think the, the title is pretty self, mm-hmm. self-explanatory. self I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so that's going to be, I think that's going to be a good book for January. We'll be talking about that one on January 5th. So stay tuned, but it'll, it'll go good and line up with kind of just understanding yourself to help you get through some of those uh, resolutions and everything too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know that's crazy. We're almost, we're almost at new year's. So that's something that if you want to read over the next month and yeah, we'll check back for our book club next month and then stay tuned for just episodes to come every week, every Friday, tune in. And as always reach out if you have any questions or need any advice. Bye, guys.